today's Leading Women episode 340 with the wonderful Dixie Huey. Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Podcast your passion. Yes, did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference, and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing, talking to wonderful women every day. Here are today's leading women. Want to learn how I did it? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Dixie Huey. Dixie Huey is the founder and proprietor of Trellis Growth Partners, a marketing communications agency for Epicurean purveyors. Dixie has successfully guided over 80 Epicurean businesses, ranging from smaller family-owned ventures to international corporations, and is the premier source for Epicurean marketing communications and media relations. So women of the world, Ms. Dixie Huey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So delighted to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So Dixie, I really like what you're doing with your business. You are a success in your own light. You put in the effort, you know, the sweat equity, the knowledge and experience to build a special business you call your own. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you, and I want to provide that conduit, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. So here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment and tell about them, but these are just general questions I have in mind. So let's start with your business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind a niche? Yes. So essentially, we help craftsmen, uh, whether they be wineries or artisan food businesses, tell their stories to the media to help them gain recognition. Our clients tend to be small family-owned businesses, um, and so therefore they don't necessarily have the in-house expertise or the Rolodex um, to reach out to journalists, and that's where we can help them. Well, I love what I'm hearing about your business and what's it for, what your clients are getting from what you're putting out there. And I love that you share that, how it came about, as well as how you birthed it to what it is right now. But what continues to inspire you doing all of this or building this business? Well, I think the, the main inspiration for me is two-sided. Um, in the beginning, and it still remains, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by my clients and the wider array of artisans that we have in these businesses, it is really tough to grow and maintain an artisan wine or food business. Um, It's just a very capitally intensive, labor intensive, love intensive industry. And it combines both agriculture with um, all the other operational aspects of running a business as well as hospitality. And so these are also businesses that tend to be seven-day-a-week operations, 365 or close to it days a year. Um, and so that the, the people who run those types of businesses tend to be really inspiring themselves. They love what they do. 
oftentimes it's a family tradition um, and backed by generations of farming tradition. So you've got sort of that salt of the earth type. So that to me is inspiring and always has been. That's why I joined the wine industry 15 years ago. I will say the other um, equally important aspect um, where I find inspiration is from my team. Um, and that's, of course, my employees, but it's also all of the other people that help us do what we do from um, my bookkeeper um, to even my nanny, <laughs> who's terrific, uh, which, you know, you have a lot of working moms in the audience. So hopefully people can relate to that. Um, but, you know, trademark lawyers, I mean, there's so many people when you think about when you run a business that you're able to, to learn from, but also people that you're able to support in their own businesses. And then, of course, the employees whose families hopefully you're able to provide something for. So just that, that team that I've built is really, um, and then, of course, the media we serve who, you know, give our clients the recognition that, you know, we feel that they deserve, of course. Yes, what inspiring that one is and what a vision and what an inspiring vision that you have there to not only for your team, but also for your clients to get their stories out there, to get their the media attention that they deserve, to get their, their message out there by spreading uh, them through, social, through media outlets that we have nowadays. So great that you have this out there. Now, let's talk about what happened when you um, started this, this journey as an entrepreneur. I'd love for you to share our listeners what are some of your top three personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur that our listeners can learn from? Well, I love how you narrowed that question down to three traits because, of course, there are quite a bit of uh, those that uh, come into this recipe. But I would say number one for me is love of the field. So I have a very high appreciation for what my clients do. And second to that would be the expertise in the field. So I worked for almost 10 years building up that expertise and really seeking experiences in a variety of aspects of the industry, meaning specifically here, um, you know, selling wine, buying wine, marketing wine, um, being in restaurants and retail, and really just seeing the broader business. And so it, it's one thing to offer a specific service to an industry. It's another thing to really understand how it operates, you know, and that's why anyone who works for me as a PR account manager or even an office intern needs to go and work a harvest. You need to go out there and pull those grapes off the vine with the sun shining down on you. It, it's very hard work. Um, so I would say love of the field expertise in that field um, and then just the drive to build something because you used the words earlier sweat equity there's a lot of that obviously and it um, you know everyone says this but until you're really in there you know it there are many times where you'd just rather go to work and get a paycheck um, and so you've got to continue that drive um, and that force to, to know that even if you have a bad day or bad week bad month that You've got a longer-term vision um, and that you just really want to succeed and build something because without that, um, it's just it's not for the it's not for those without drive to, to build a business. 
Yes, a love of the field, expertise in the field, and a drive to build something. Wow, great qualities and traits that you've just shared with us. And the good news is we can all cultivate these qualities, these traits that um, Dixie just shared with us. And yes, I agree with you, especially uh, the drive to build something. I mean, innate with us human beings, we want to build something um, for others, you know, having a uh, progress, challenges, you know, being able to do something, being able to build something or creatively create something that is helping others or that is impacting other people's lives. I think that's one of our driving forces. So you have to have that one as an entrepreneur to drive to build something, to create something um, for others. Great personal traits and qualities there that, like what I said earlier, that we can all um, cultivate and adapt in our lives. All right, now let's talk about challenges as an entrepreneur because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we face daily challenges that define our being. And to get through those challenges takes a very special person. And our audience wants to know that special person in you. So what have been your biggest challenges building this business? And how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today? Well, Again, this is a good question because I don't personally believe there's such thing as an entrepreneur without challenge. Um, that's just part of the recipe, you know. So you're you're signing up for much enhanced challenges uh, when you sign up to be an entrepreneur. And in reflecting on the three biggest ones for me at Trellis Growth Partners, I think they're not in any particular order. Um, the first one that came to mind for me is really defining my business model. Because when I started, I was really trying to combine the, the sum of all the parts of my career to that point and my education. And so I came to market with this very broad model about how I could help you with anything from you know, defining sales markets to PR to operational and financial issues, because those were areas that I had studied. And when I look back at that, you know, it sounds really nice to be a one-stop shop, but that's not necessarily what my market was interested in buying. Um, and so over time, we have continued to focus on streamlining down to define what is our business model. And so that, of course, starts with what are you selling or offering? Um, and that was, you know, as I maybe alluded to, more of a process over time. You've got to understand what the market needs, what the market wants to buy, um, and then this, you know, what do you actually want to do? Because not all services uh, perhaps are profitable. Um, and that leads me to really being, I had to become more open to change. You know, so one as an entrepreneur might set out to do X, Y, and Z, but maybe two, three years later, you're actually doing A, B, and C, but that's okay. Um, and so being open to change and then the other thing that was really helpful to me was um, a program called the Mentor and Analysis Program. And in my case, this was through Washington State University at Vancouver. But I would be surprised if there weren't other programs like this um, throughout our country and even the broader globe. Um, but essentially, this program pairs small business owners with students and community leaders really impressive community leaders, to help study an area of your business. And this was immensely helpful for me. It was a um, program that I had to be accepted in. It was a whole semester long, so about three and a half months. 
and it it was it felt almost like a guilty pleasure because I was spending all of this time um, serving my own business, if you will, really treating uh, Trellis Growth Partners as a client, and I was also getting this hard look at my business and being forced to answer tough questions. And honestly, it was really uncomfortable, and it, it's one of the best things I've done. So defining the business model and my point in bringing up the MAP program or programs like it is that having an outside look into your business with someone that you trust. Uh, I also have a small board of advisors can be very helpful because when you're in it day to day, you don't necessarily have that full 360 degree perspective. So um, the second challenge um, I would say would be learning to sell um, or what might be better called learning to serve, um, because it can be one thing to have a love of a field or an expertise in the field and even have that drive, um, but to actually put yourself out there to be rejected um, and have to try different ways of approaching people is it's a humbling experience. Um, and I think just being willing to be open to different ways of trying things and seeking education in that field um, whether it be through books or classes or, or networking with other female entrepreneurs, which or and entrepreneurs in general was very helpful to me. But that's the one thing about being an entrepreneur is that you've actually got to be able to to create revenue for your services, um, and not you know I certainly didn't come into it with um, a, a huge background in selling my own services, so that was a huge challenge, and I think we're we're always working to improve there. And then thirdly, in my case, I was new to market. So while I had this expertise in this field, um, I actually had moved to a new part of the country from San Francisco to the Portland area. And I really didn't have a network. And while I had a global network in the wine industry, I didn't have a Northwest network, which is where the majority of our client base is. And so to that challenge, to me, it was all about investing time and money in relationship building and having a longer term view um, of, you know, maybe this person that I speak with today in three years might recommend me to someone not having this expectation that there's going to be an immediate return, um, but really being willing to put in what feels like a ton of work for not a lot of return because it's it's really my view that when you're you're new to being a service provider or to a market or both in my case that you've got to pay your dues. So defining the business model, learning to to serve and sell and in my case just being new to a market and needing to build those relationships are the three primary challenges. Wow. I mean, these challenges that you've shared with us, I am sure we can, or most of us relate to, to it at some point or another in, in the life of our business. I mean, me, I mean, I could totally relate with this. I mean, defining your business model early on, learning to sell, this is a big thing. And I continuously bottle with it every day. I continuously learn how to put myself out there, how to be comfortable pushing myself out there, putting myself out there and being uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, as yes. they say. And of course, being in, in a new market, being in a new place, and you have to build new relationships, new networks. These are challenges that we all at some point face in, in our life as a business owner. But the good thing is that we can all learn from each other and learn how we're able to cope with them and then apply those 
uh, if that happens to us. So great that you've shared this with us because there's a great lesson in what the, what you've shared and these challenges that we all, I'm sure, at some point or another, um, have experienced or might experience in our in, in our business life. So great that you've shared that one with us. Thank now you. let's just switch gears for a little bit and talk about work-life balance. You know, being a business owner myself, maintaining a work-life balance is so crucial to overall success in life. Now the challenge with entrepreneurs is how to click on and click off and create a work-life balance, particularly if you have a family juggling many roles. So in your life as an entrepreneur, how do you maintain this work-life balance and what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health, your family, your relationships, and your business? Okay, that's the uh, probably the trillion-dollar question. Yes. Um, <laughs> So I, I like to think of this area of just life in general as, as sort of this bank. I mean, you've got to continue. You're going to make withdrawals. <laughs> we just know that. You've got to continually make deposits or else you're, you're left with a zero-sum balance or even worse, debt. Um, but it, it is a huge challenge. Um, and the, the fact is that an entrepreneurial pursuit can completely consume you and in my case, in ways that, you know, I always thought that I was very dedicated to my career um, and would always work hard and put in the extra time because I loved it and had the fortune of working with great people. But I have never been so consumed as when I started my business. Um, it's just everything is personal. Everything is, you know, it's sort of a, uh, it seems like a bigger challenge. And so I've had to realize this sort of bank um, analogy several times and I'll, I am not necessarily the one to give advice here it's more of a do as I say not as I do because this is something that I still uh, am struggling with um, I think just having you know one could say well you've got to have it be a priority well I don't think that's enough um, to me what is helpful um, you know I've got to remind myself and I, thankfully I have a husband who's pretty good at reminding me when I get off balance or a little too much in the withdrawal category um, but certainly scheduling is an actionable one um, so it's one thing to put um, time for yourself or your family on your schedule it's another thing to actually honor that time um, and so I like to think of it as um, you know, if I had a doctor's appointment, I probably wouldn't work through that. But why is it that sometimes when I have a family thing that I would tend to be late or work through that? Um, because it's just as important to my health. And it's as much, if not more, of a priority for me. So just having, you might have to actually put on your calendar, go to the gym or have dinner with husband or partner. Um, so that one for me, but as I said, it's not just scheduling, it's honoring the schedule that you've said and really being committed to that. I think the thing that's been most helpful for me when I've been more in balance, um, and as I said, I'll admit to being out of balance uh, at various times, but is having a longer term perspective on your business. Um, and I do think that this comes with time. It, it's maybe easier for me to do this going into 2014, having started in 2008 than it would have been in 2009, 2010, when everything was still so, oh my gosh, am I going to make it? Am I going to make it? Um, but really saying, you know, that this problem feels so big right now and as if I should just address it immediately, but it might even be better for everyone if I wait. Um, because that the deposit side of the work-life balance is that 
even though it can be hard to step away from whatever the challenge is and, and honor the commitments that you've made in your personal life, I do find that every time I do step away, whether it be for an hour to take a walk or a week to actually take a vacation and turn my phone off, I am so much more creative and passionate about what I'm doing when I come back. Um, and so just knowing that and honoring that, I think, is, again, really important. Um, and so, again, scheduling the time, honoring that schedule, being committed to it, and then trying to have that longer-term vision, perspective, um, and then I would say the final one is something that I mentioned a moment ago. You have to turn off. Um, and one of the, I think, the hardest things to do as an entrepreneur, you know, if you get that email at 8 o'clock at night, a client is upset, you know, you are going to be affected by it. There's no way that you cannot be affected by it. But if you actually turned the phone off or over, even not off, and didn't read that email until the next morning, um, then it wouldn't have ruined your whole evening. And so just having the, you know, perhaps the client doesn't even expect the response that late at night. But if you go ahead and respond and set the expectation up, up that you are constantly 24-7 available, then that's on you. And so it, it can take a massive amount of self-control to turn off the phone. But I think if I had to choose one thing, that would be it in today's technologically consumed uh, planet to wow. take a break. <laughs> yes, well, you certainly nail it down, nail this work-life balance. You seem to have nailed it down. I mean, all of these tips that you've just shared with us, and I agree with you, this is an area that is a work in progress for me, and I battle with it every day, but I love those tips that you've just shared with us, scheduling everything, and not only scheduling, but honoring and committing to them. I mean, if you put your family events, family activities, your gym time, your work time, on your calendar, honor them, and as well as being flexible when it's needed. But at least you have to be committed in, in doing those values that you put on your calendar. And I love when I said about having a longer vision versus just a short-term thing, that you have to see the, the longer picture in here, that you have to see that building a business, there are going to be seasons when you need to really put the time and effort. And then there are going to be days that, okay, you can you can slow slow down a little bit, but you know, you have to look at it in a wider and longer perspective. And then, of course, you have to turn it, you know, you know, we have to, you have to understand that it's, you have to turn off or you have to unplug once in a while. And like what they, well, other people say, used to say, and I, I said it to myself as well, that you don't need to answer the email or phone right away. Though There are only a few emergencies in life. So that email or that phone call, that can wait. Um, you don't have to answer them right away. And of course, set expectations to your clients that you are not 24 hours available for them. Um, you also have other areas of your life that are important to you. So make set the boundaries set the limits and learn to say no when it's needed. So great tips there that we can all learn from to deal with this work-life balance that sometimes I often say it's a myth for us entrepreneurs. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. All right. Now let's talk about success and what success mean to you. Your business appears to be financially doing quite well. And with that success flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. Now we'd like to also say that success is a mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I feel great about myself and I'm moving forward. The opposite way will be a multi-billionaire and be totally miserable. So am I successful? Financially, yes. 
Individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? So I think this relates really well to the earlier question about work-life balance. I mean, that is one of, you know, I always say that there's higher highs and lower lows of owning your own business. Um, the higher high side, you are able with some um, degree of flexibility to define what success means for you because theoretically you run the business. Sometimes it feels like clients run you. But um, for me, success benchmarks have changed. Um, and I, I try to – I don't find it even possible to separate my business from my personal life. I've stopped kind of trying. Um, and so when I look at what success means uh for me especially at this time you know it's it is you know are the are the people in my life um pleased with me in general am i enjoying my relationships um am i able to support the employees to whom i've made promises to is a huge success benchmark for me um especially for someone who was quote never going to have employees um and then, you know, of course, are the clients happy? My biggest um, measurement is do they want to come back? Do they want to stay a, as part of our client family? That's the highest compliment one can pay. It's one thing to hire you one time, but to become a repeat customer, that's where the real um, success is for me. Um, and I think when I look back, you know, at first it was just getting a client. You may have people out there who are in the very beginning stages of a business, that for me, it took a while. It took a lot longer than I thought. But, you know, you've got to celebrate those benchmarks that will change over time. So it might be getting a client, then re-signing a client, then perhaps it's getting a bigger client or an employee, um, and then just seeing that business grow. Um, so I think for me, the bottom line of how do you define success benchmarks is I actually each year um, in the beginning of the year. So it will be within the next few weeks, um, sit down with both my husband on the personal side and business side, as well as my employees on the business side and just state, you know, what is it that we are going to achieve this year that we, how will we define that success and then outline, you know, what exactly are the steps that we're going to take to get there. Um, and I will say that over time, those, um, outlines have become shorter and shorter. And I think that makes them more, um, successful because something that's too big, you, you know, it's overwhelming. And so I think the, the way to wrap this up is that, you know, being open to defining those and maybe even revisiting those regularly is important because as an entrepreneur, they're going to change, uh, for what they are for you. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, so what a great perspective that you had there about success and those benchmarks that you have shared with us. It's about producing happy clients. It's about producing something that makes is making a difference in other people's lives. It's impacting them and that we are happy with what we're putting out there, that we are passionate about, that we enjoy what we're doing, that we enjoy the people around us, that we enjoy the team that we have around us. Wow, great perspective on that. And I'm totally on board with you on that. So thanks for sharing. 
Now, I'd love for you to talk about one of the highlights of our show, and that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be, especially to those who want to follow your footsteps. You obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience, so take it back to the past. Say you're going to start all over again as an entrepreneur, and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success or even for making that first buck. What types of special suggestions or advice and lessons that you learn would you give your fellow entrepreneurs knowing where you came from and where you headed at and if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice what would those three be all right so this takes me back to the the traits that you asked about earlier um given the amount of time required to be successful as a business owner uh, you to me you've got to love what you're doing uh, that just it may go without being said, but to me, you still have to say it. Um, also, you've got to have an expertise in that field. Um, I am occasionally asked by people who you know want to get into my field, you know, how they should go about starting a business, and my first question to them is always, "Well, what? How have you served this industry before? What do you know about it?" Because it's hard enough to serve the industry with expertise. I, I wouldn't want to be going at it without. So I would say loving the field, having that prior expertise, and and supplementing the expertise with education. So as the entrepreneur, I always joke of a a boutique-sized company, I'm the IT guy unless it's above my head. Um, I am HR unless it goes legal, and hopefully it never will be. So there are many other things that a business owner has to deal with on a day-to-day basis that may be outside the scope of your expertise that you had coming into it. So lots of outside education and and good networks with other professionals. Um, I think since we're narrowing it down to three, I'll just say that um, the measuring results has been really important to me um, because you, you can repeat what works and you can avoid what doesn't work. Um, this sometimes means being flexible with how you do things. You know, I said earlier on, you know, I'll never have employees. That was sort of my mindset as I started. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to learn about employment law. I don't want to have this payroll hanging over my head. But I would actually argue now that's the best thing that I've done in my entire business is bring other people into the, and create a team. Um, and so I think, you know, it's one thing to have this business model and this plan that you set out to do, but it's it's another thing to to be flexible. And so, tying that together, measuring the results, I realized within a couple of years that to really be able to repeat what works, I needed to have another team member and then another team member and so on. Wow, lots of great tips there with what you've just shared uh, that we can all take action in today. So let me just summarize them again for our listeners. So the first one is to you've got to love what you're doing. I mean, I can't stress this enough. You've got to be passionate about what you're doing. You've got to have that drive, that energy, that passion to do what you are doing. And then the second one is to have that expertise. You've got to be an expert in your field. And there are certainly a lot of ways how to do this. Be an expert in your niche, in your field. Be seen as an expert by 
knowing what it is what you are an expert in and that you are able to help others in the expertise. And then the third one, which is really important, especially for us entrepreneurs, is to measure your results. You need to be able to track and measure results. And I love what you said about repeat what works and avoid what doesn't because you don't have to keep repeating doing things that are not working. And there is no way you can do this without measuring. So it's really important to learn how to track and measure your results. Great tips there that we can all take action in today. So thank you for sharing them, Dixie. These are really, really helpful for all of us. Last but not the least, Dixie, share our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service, where they can get it, and what's the best way that our listeners can connect with you, and then we'll end from there. Well, I think the best benefit to your listeners, assuming that they do not own wineries or artisan food companies that need promotion, uh, would of course be to support our clients and enjoy some of the deliciousness that they uh, provide. Um, and maybe a secondary uh, benefit would, um, you know, if assuming you're in any sort of client service type business, um, one could follow us on our website, trellisgrowthpartners.com, or go to our Facebook page, which is the same, um, and get an insight into how we are promoting our clients, um, because presumably many of your listeners have either brands, products, or services that they need to sell. Um, and no matter what it is that you're providing out there, getting some recognition from a, a journalist or a, a collection of media can help tell your story in a different way than the business owner can do. And so maybe some tips as to how to promote your own business could be gleaned from looking at what we're doing for our clients. All right. So that's Trellis, that's T-R-E-L-L-I-S, growthpartners.com. I'll make sure to have this on our show notes. So I highly encourage you, our listeners, to go there now. That's trellisgrowthpartners.com. See and uh, what they're putting out there. And I'm sure all of us can uh, benefit from having for mark, from mark, any marketing um, help that uh, like, um, Dixie is providing to for our businesses. So that's trellisgrowthpartners.com. Make sure to sign up for their newsletter so you can get an update of what they're putting out there. And if their services and products that resonate with you and for your business, I highly encourage you to jump in. Again, that's trellisgrowthpartners.com. Dixie, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, your expertise, for being a role model to many, and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. And um, I've learned a lot uh, from the questions you've asked. All right, TLW listeners, did you love this episode? Here's your chance to recommend or vote for your favorite today's leading woman. Here's how to do it. Step number one. After you listen to this episode, go to todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. Step number two. Click the rate and review button. Step number three, say that you love listening to today's Leading Women podcast. Step number four, type in the name of your favorite today's leading woman. Example, Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, Ariana Huffington of Huffington Post, Oprah of Oprah Winfrey Network. You get it, right? Step number five, type your first name and where you are listening from. 
every day I will personally go through all of your ratings and reviews and scour the names of your favorite today's leading women. You will get to be featured as TLW Fan of the Day with your name and where you're listening from. And you'll be the first one to get notified when your favorite today's leading woman is featured on the show. Fair enough? Awesome. Go to todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. That's www.todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. Feeling inspired and empowered to make it happen? Then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top 10 resources that today's leading women use to stay at the top of their game, plus Marie's favorite today. Visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash guide for your free download, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg.